Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh. What a weird round in general. A lot of injuries, a lot of uh, high-profile matchups that we expected to go huge that didn't. Uh, but one man that managed to navigate the round pretty well is uh, the coach of the Savage Turbos, Brandon Savage, Sav's uh, host of the Supercoach Experience. Sav, how are you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Whisperer. How are you? Uh, pretty good, mate. Looking at your score, though, it, look, it looks like you're on top of the world with a, a pretty solid 1,600. I mean, 1,600 isn't that bad. I uh, feel like I could have navigated a bit better and navigated it better throughout the season. Um, but there is someone who is above me, uh, which is Timmy, who's also on our panel, who scored a massive 1,700. Yeah, shout out to the Viliami. Uh, a lot of things went his way this week. But uh, as you and I both know, to go deep in Supercoach Classic, you do need a little bit of luck. And, and he managed to navigate that pretty well, mate. Look at your team overall pretty quickly. Put the VC on Nico Hines, but didn't end up looping. Decided to go the pod route and Adam Dewey. And uh, definitely could have been worse. But I guess what was the thought process behind not taking the 166? Well, funny enough, um, I actually couldn't do it. Um, I had no one that wasn't playing today. I had Spencer Linu, um, there was Cody Nicarima and Payne Haas playing today and uh, obviously your Cody Walkers and everything like that. Um, so I was pretty much forced not to be able to loop him. So um, I guess I got lucky in a way that I didn't because um, Adam Dewey was my captain all week. So um, yeah, a bit lucky there. Yeah, I mean, Dewey got a 144, so you couldn't have uh, wished for, for anything better. I guess when you see Hines getting a 166 and you just think, shit, like, I, I can't take this. What what am I going to do? And then you see Dewey come out and get a, one, a 144. It's always good. Mate, we'll address the elephant in the room, Tohu Harris. Uh, looks like a suspected ACL, uh, which is it's just not good for Supercoach, it's not good for the Warriors. They run home. It's just it's for people that held hoping to be positive. It's, it's an automatic sell now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. ACL gone for the season. Um, a lot of people might not have many trades. So, uh, unfortunately, this is a trade you probably got to use. Yeah, look, if if you're in my shoes, for example, I've got two trades left for the season, which we know isn't enough for the run home, which is poor planning. But the fact that Tohu is like 580K at the moment will go down a little bit. Uh, it's just a lot of cash to be sitting there on, on the bench that in a position where there's a lot of quality around, we've got guys like Cam Murray as well who are on the rise, even Payne Haas, if you've got the dual positions to get him up to prop. It's uh, it's a trade that you have to make and you just have to bite your teeth, isn't it? Yeah, that yeah, that's for sure. It's uh, it's unfortunate for the Warriors, but I guess the two shining lights from today's games were uh, were Matt Lodge and, and Adam Phil Blake. A lot of people were concerned with the news of Matt Lodge moving to the Warriors as to how he would coexist with Adam Phil Blake, but a very, very depleted side. Uh, a lot of them pretty heavily. I thought they were very impressive. But I guess the first game of the round, uh, yeah, we can just basically classify this as some David Fafita junk that could have gone huge. Obviously, that disallowed try at the end of the game uh, would have made him go berserk. But still a 68 from Fafita. It's not fantastic, but it, it could have been a lot worse, couldn't it? Definitely take it. Um, but I feel like people jumping on him this week would have liked a lot more. Um, and that last try, 
Jeez, harsh to be disallowed, eh? It would have taken him to about 110. I think we worked out in the in the in the Hemi Chat group chat. I think 110, and, and yeah, you would have been loving life. I put the VC on for feeder and 68 was nowhere near enough. We saw Brian Kelly get 99, probably the first decent score that he's had. You wouldn't suspect many teams competing in that top echelon uh, would be still carrying Kelly, would you? Uh not really. I feel like if you carried him, you probably haven't. Um... Yeah, yeah, you probably haven't done that well. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, repaid the faith. Yeah, the Titans have a pretty pretty shocking run home as well. So not someone I would be targeting. Ash Taylor, uh, the halfback that I started with, I think 63 was the highest score he's put out all year. Apart from that, mate, there wasn't too much to cheer about. Tino Farsu Malawi with a 56. It's just not been the season for Tino with all the expectations that, that we've had on him. I remember he put out uh, a 90-odd and I think he had about 80 in base and everyone thought that he was... He's turned the corner and come back, but it's just not the way. Um, mate, what's your opinion on Ryan Madison? Is this is this the matter of old we've seen come back? I think so. Um, he just looks like he's more interested and uh, he must have been carrying like, or maybe the concussion was really hindering him, but he's come back. He looks good. Um, the attacking stats are there again. And I don't know, he could be back. He's, he's a play next week. That's for sure. Yeah, look, after next week, Parramatta have a have a pretty horrific draw, but um, I think that's going to work well for Matter. Yeah, he might lose the tries, but the offloads, the tackles, the runs are all going to be there. Clint Gutho with 110 as well. Uh, being sneakily one of the best fullback options this this year with no pap and, and the fact that Ponga is sort of in and out of squads altogether. Nathan Brown has put together a pretty fantastic run of form the last six weeks or so, becoming more and more of that ball play through the middle third. He's generally pumping up those attacking stats, but... The man that a lot of top tra- a lot of top teams would have traded for, considering how barren the hook position is, Reid Money with a ninety eight, just continues to uh, find those crucial attacking stats for his big middle forwards, doesn't he? Yeah, that's for sure. I actually had the decision between him and Ben Hunt um, on the weekend, and I was eyeing him eyeing him off, but I think the injury just really scared me, so I went Ben Hunt, and geez, I'm regretting life. Yeah, I'll, we'll get to Ben Hunt, but not uh, not fantastic, but not bad. I mean, just the hooker position is just so so shit this year. Like we saw Jaden Braley, and I, I was pretty happy to call him one of the buyers of the season after the first five or six rounds, averaging seventy. Only cost teams two hundred eighty k or whatnot, but it's just that attacking stats has just been lost all of a sudden from Braley. It's just fallen off a cliff, and we know Connor Watson had peaked in value for a lot of teams. He was sold, but it looks like Red Money is head and shoulders above the rest, considering Harry Grant sort of in and out. Uh, look, apart from apart from those sort of four, I mean, Hayes Dunster, some teams would have had him. I doubt many would have played him. But Isaiah Papali'i, 54. Look, we touched on your show earlier in the week that IPAP is is the most owned player in Supercoach, but seems his scores, we used to bank on him getting sort of a consistent 80 to 90 every week, but it seems to be few and far between. It seems to be more of a 130 one week and a 50 the next. It's just he's, he's too crucial and too highly owned to sell, isn't he? Uh, yeah, you don't you don't sell him. Fifty point six percent owned, and he's got that ceiling. Yeah, he's just a plug and play. You just ride the the lows because you know that the highs are, are coming uh, in in abundance of spades. Speaking of the highs, mate, one man that's come back for the Manly Sea Eagles, Josh Schuster, uh, I think was was the best on ground by far. Probably followed close by um, Ola Kawatu. Both those guys got high nineties respectively. Uh, fantastic to see Schuster back for the guys that held him. Yeah, 100%. I was one of them and very excited as a Manly fan to see him back. And uh, I didn't realize how much of an impact he makes on the side. He's such a, a spark plug. And when Tom Trebojevic is out of the side, uh, definitely look for him. I remember when Schuster burst onto the scene, I think it was like round four or five, and I had Moylan and Moylan had a couple of good scores. So he had those in his rolling average. And I just thought, look, 
Moylan's still going to make some cash and I'll flip him on. I didn't expect huge amounts from Schuster. And uh, I think a lot of teams that didn't pick him up are regretting the the renaissance of form that he's had. Um, Olakowatsu, I know a lot of the guys, obviously, we're in the, the THC who are coming third overall in terms of overall groups. So there's a lot of elite players there. A lot of those guys are discussing Olakowatsu for potentially Toho Harris. Are you on that same sort of board or are you a little bit put off by just the, the huge amount of attack that he's gotten? I mean, I haven't actually considered him, but I know Maxi, who's a massive Kate Cuss fan, and Kate Cuss, the resurgence is back. I don't know why he hasn't played many, much more halves than he has this year, but bloody love Kate Cuss. But he's got Olakowatu, and um, I think with Manly's got a good draw, and with Tommy in the side, he can just feed him through them holes. Um, I don't know. It's not a bad shout, but I feel like there are better options, like I know, like Ryan Madison, who looks to have resurged. I don't know. I wouldn't jump early, but I'd give it a week or two. You mentioned Cade Carson. Look, he's probably not overly super coach relevant coming home, but the fact that he's dropped down to 178K, so pretty much bottom dollar price for a guy of, of Cade Cuss quality, I think he's definitely someone to look at for potentially next year if he can get some game time, but it's always a problem at Manly for him is, is getting game time. Mate, 78 from Ruben Garrick didn't really do a whole lot that game, which that's always promising to see him at fullback, isn't it? I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. Um, Next week, Tommy's back, so um, expect much more from him then because he, he gets his stats from like hit-ups and goal kicks, so um, he, he'll just get them tries added on to that once Tommy comes into the mix. As a Manly fan, mate, vintage foreign? Yeah, I love it. I, I love it. That Brad Parker play, it was all for That little short ball, <laughs> great hole running there by uh, by Brad Parker. I really like that. Uh, Moses Sully had another great game as well. Uh, Morgan Harper also got 61. I guess we'll scroll all the way down to this manly side, though. Jason Saab, 11. We know what we get with Jason Saab with no turbo. Yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was the number one most traded in. I couldn't believe it, and I, I said it all along. Uh, I, I hate saying I said it, but I think we all said it, that Without Turbo on the side, he, he's pretty much got nothing. So um, 9 and 11 in the last two weeks, uh, it's pretty much what you're going to get without Turbo. But I expect next week that he's going to pick it up again probably. And who played Saab both weeks? This guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fantastic. I mean, that's I was whisperer. Yeah, definitely. Just just putting the curse on players left, right, and center. I, mean, I was very vocal about how poor I thought Jai Arrow would be this year, but I think I've been even more critical about the people that bought Saab in um, after that that big week. It's just it was he was 480k. I think over 5,000 people brought him in, and yeah, it just just baffles me. And I think uh, this is what was on the cards. I mean, I put a post up about his average with Turbo. Uh, with Turbo, it's about 65. Without, it's less than 20. So, yeah, you, you dig a little bit deeper in the numbers and you see that average just doesn't hold up. For the Dragons, mate, Jack Bird, um, a guy that I didn't think would flourish too well in the centers, a guy that I had penciled in to play a bit of 2RF this year um, and be a, a genuine option. But the fact that he was 380K, I think, coming into preseason and playing in the center wings, I, I generally put the red line through him. But he's been uh, he's been sneakily good for this Dragons side who, who have massively overachieved, I think, considering a lot of people would have had them for close to the spoon. Yeah, he's been really good. Um, Jake actually got him in as a pod for round uh, 13, I think, and didn't play him this week. And I was absolutely baffled because his team's a little bit weak here and there. But yeah, he's been great and he's getting attacking stats quite often. Um, He looks a very crucial part of their side. Apart from attacking stats, there's some forwards with Josh McGuire and, and Josh Kerr. There wasn't a whole lot here to cheer about uh, for, the, for the, the Dragons. Do you see them making the top eight, mate? I've oh, I've looked at the ladder right, and it absolutely baffles me how they're still in the eight. I think I think they're seventh at the moment, but 
Um, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous they're still there. I think they can probably win enough to stay in the eight. Um, it should, just depends on the teams around them. Um, I don't think they'll have a run of three or four games or anything, but if no teams are going to willing to catch up with them, then it looks like they're going to be there. We've got the Dragons on 16 points, and we've got the Sharks, the Knights, and the Cowboys all on 14. We know from Supercoach Prep how good the Knights' run home is, and if KP is back, I can definitely see them making a surge for the top eight. We'll touch on him uh, eventually, but Sean Johnson, he just looks like he's checked out, so I'm not too sure uh, with the Sharks and how they're going to move forward. So, look, I think the uh, I think the Knights are going to make a play for that eighth spot, and the Dragons might just hold on for that seventh spot. So, definitely... Um, Great signs from the Dragons, considering, yeah, like I said, a lot of teams, a lot of people would have had them close to the spoon, if not getting the spoon. Uh, mate, the Roosters, 34 over the Cowboys, 18. A lot of people jumped on Tamalolo after his uh, fantastic output, and he repaid with another 72. Um, it's just, it's hard to go with Lolo, considering how poor his minutes have been and, and his production. Uh, I didn't actually realize he did that well. So um, the fact that he can still score like that in, in games like that, that were kind of... Um, I mean, it was tied up until towards the end. Um, I think if you didn't get him in for round 17, you're probably not worth getting him in. But if you got him in, he'd be a good play every week. Three effective offloads, four offloads, a tackle break, 11 hit-ups over eight metres, 17 regular hit-ups and 28 tackles. Um, No attacking stats in there, which I guess is the positive thing for Lolo owners. We know that he had a a monster score the week before. He busted through the middle and, and got a line break, which boosted it. But... Uh, yeah, you see Lolo with a 72. I guess that piques your interest considering how lowly priced he is. Uh, but it's probably not a play that I could make confidently. Uh, but Hamuso Tabuai Fido at fullback, I thought, looked, looked very, very good. Yeah, and he's also got a run at fullback by the looks of it. So um, he's definitely a watch as a pot if you've got trades. Uh, Reese Robson, a guy that I love at hooker, just doesn't get the minutes with uh, with Granville there. 96, Drinkwater with an 80, Tamalolo with a 72 as we touched on. There's not too many names in this Cowboys side. A lot of people would have went Tom Dearden as a bit of a plug and play for round 17, but I doubt people would have had the reserve on him. For the Roosters, though, Matt Ikevalu, uh Brett Morris 2.0, just on the wing there, catch and try, scoring them pretty easily. Sam Walker also laying them on both those guys, 120 plus. Yeah, very good for Ikevalu owners. He was looking like he was probably going to be on the outer for a bit, but then last two weeks he's backed it up and repaid faith for the owners. Chuck uh, Ikevalu in the book of uh, tips I've told people to get on but didn't get on myself. Uh, story of the season. Uh, Drew Hutchison, probably one of the worst 5.8s in the comp, but uh, continues to do a job for this Rooster side with 119. Fullback Joey Manu, we know he's another level with 89. I think people that bought Manu for the round 17 matchup were loving the idea that Teddy was rested. And we, as, as I said, we know what Manu can do moving to fullback. Is he someone that you really probably shouldn't be looking at uh, moving forward with Teddy coming back into the fullback slot, is he? Not anymore. I feel like if you were on Manu the last two weeks, it's probably a good idea to look at selling him in the next couple of weeks. Um, but maybe just see how he goes at centre and how how uh, the team cohesion works. The next man would have broken a lot of teams or had them jumping for joy. Named on the bench, Angus Crichton, pretty much with his first or second touch, just burst through the hole and, and bagged a try and effectively went on to make a 79. A guy that I put on the bench after hearing the news and subbed in Tahu Harris. That worked out uh, fantastically. Did you end up playing Angus? I don't actually have Angus. I sold him in round two, so I'm very lucky. Um, he That was when he was suspended, wasn't it, for the, for the week or two? Yeah. From memory? I, I, yeah. I sold him for Fafida, and Fafida went gangbusters from there. So um, it was a good move in in that sense of things, but uh, 
not having Crichton for the rest of the year is kind of hurt me inside because he's such a good super coach player. Well, that was that was my next question. Obviously, you're pushing for top for top one K. You've had a pretty uh, pretty great season. You've had a couple of picks being nailed with Fafita early on, Luke Brooks as well, starting the season, averaging sixty. If you're going to push that top one K spot, is is Crichton a guy you're looking to target? Mate, I have one trade left, so um, oh, you're you're in worse shape than I didn't. Re- I thought I thought you were doing good. Jeez. Yeah, no, I, I've, I'm absolutely terrible with my trades. So um, I have one trade left. So I, I mean, I've got to see what happens with Hines, whether he goes to center and he flops at center. Um, yeah, I don't have. That, that's the thing with Hines. Obviously, we'll, we'll get to his fantastic output, but. The talk was that he was going back to the bench. He'd be an automatic sell. But with teams running like low on so trades, if he gets shifted to centers, I think teams are probably forced to to more or less hold him, aren't they? Yeah, I I think so. And especially myself, um, I have him in the center wing area. My fullbacks are Tom Trebojevic, Adam Dewey. My five eights are Cody Walker and Josh Schuster. So really got to sell one of them. And with one trade left, it's not you can't use them luxury trades with no trades left. Well, that's the thing. It's a bit of a pod move to not have two premium fullbacks. Um, you've obviously got Turbo, who is who's by far and away the best player this year. But you've also got a pod and Adam Dewey, who could obviously slot into 5-8 if you had the trades, but you don't. So you're running with a, a pretty good pod play there. Uh, mate, probably the play that was going to be one of the most owned next year, but his value is slowly starting to dwindle away, considering he's just scoring tries every week. Billy Smith, look, great to see him get some footy. Um, but not great to see his, his price card for next year. No, it's not good, is it? I feel like Jason, uh, Joseph Sawali being out is really hurt Supercoaches for next year. It's going to make it hard enough as it is with Cleary and Turbo being so much. But, um, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, as, as I said, he was a guy that I was definitely targeting uh, if he was going to be under 300K, but back-to-back weeks of scoring tries. He's had a, a couple of good scoring weeks. I think he had a 40 last week, which wasn't fantastic, but a 77 this week. Um, yeah, it just hurts his value for next week. Mate, a guy that I touched on uh, your podcast, I'll, I'll put this one as a little checkbook win. Victor Radley with a 75, had a fantastic <laughs> output in base last week, some attacking stats this week, which is what we hope for. A 75 from Radley. The fact he's available at hooker makes him really enticing. I mean, uh, I was going to reply to you last week saying I hated the trade a lot and um, he's never really been a super coach player, but he's looking he's looking the goods at the moment. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that one. I think he was less than 350K, and the fact that he put out 58 points in base, but the fact that he's also available at hooker, I think that was the thing that, that enticed me towards Radley. We know that when he sinks up in that middle third, he's one of the best ball-playing 13s in the comp, and we saw that on the weekend um, putting through uh, a try assist there, which is always nice. Atili Supernua, this guy rocks or diamonds. If he doesn't score, we know he's an 80-minute 35-point scorer, but he does get some attacking stats, uh, 71. A guy that I started with at the start of the season – and controversially said he was a sell after one week after he got a 75, I think. I just wasn't happy with the, with the base. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just rocks and diamonds with Satili. He's probably not someone that you target, even though Boyd Cordner has retired. Yeah, um, I feel like if you didn't get him round 17, don't get him now. Um, back to Radley just quickly. I think with Radley back in the side, Tedesco is an absolute premium option at fullback coming up. Um, uh, Radley just makes the attack so much better. Yeah, that's that's the thing. On on Twitter, I put a post up saying if Turbo is a must-have for next year, like if we're starting with Turbo no matter what, who do we pair him with? And the fact that I think we're going to get Tesco at a pretty reduced price, I expect him to be a similar price to what Turbo was uh, this year, which was about 570k from memory. And the fact that Kiri's going to be back, you've got Radley there as well. Uh, those three are electric to the middle, aren't they? Yeah, I, I think especially with them two back, uh, it's a no-brainer. Teddy Turbo next year, I know it, it'll be very... 
tempting to go Pappenhausen, but um, I, f- I feel like Teddy Turbo. Yeah, that's that's the combo I'm thinking, mate. Uh, one person that I'll touch on, and it was a trade that I very much advocated against. A lot of people were looking at bringing him in with Sam Verrills, and uh, just that major injury really put me off. And his his work put uh, his work put his workload just isn't there, is it? Uh, Sam Verrills, yeah, n- no. I think Henry, uh, who was ranked first, was on our show a couple of weeks ago, and he was eyeing him off as well. I hope he didn't pull the trigger um, because I feel like people with lingering injuries like this uh, just never come back the best. Um, but he's definitely someone to look out for, for next season with a full preseason under his belt. Hopefully he can come back strong. Definitely. I mean, you touch on that. Does that put the red line through Tohu starting round one for you next year? Tohu? Yeah. Um, I, I think getting injured this late in the season might make him not eligible to, or not recovered in time for next, uh, to start next year. So, uh, who knows, um, if he's, yeah, no, I wouldn't start with Tohu. Even if he was available for round one, I think with that major injury history, I wouldn't go there. Look, someone that I would love to start with every year if I could is Tom Starling. Uh, but the fact that he just doesn't get minutes at this rate, so when he, when he does get minutes, he puts out phenomenal attacking output. Um, but doesn't just for some reason Ricky Stewart prefers Josh Hodgson and I've been very critical I don't think Hodgson is, is a fantastic football I'd much to see Starling start there look he started at a sky high price this year but if he does get minutes next year Tom Starling has to be someone that teams keep an eye on especially with how barren the hook position is Josh Hodgson is a good player but I hate him <laughs> I hate him I, I think in the middle of the field he's he's a good player um I mean, no doubt he's a good player, but Tom Starling, he just he just suits that Raiders side so much. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Mate, Corey Hadawiranaro, a lot of people were on the bandwagon to sell him, and rightfully so. Uh, a couple of weeks with poor scores, the base just fell off. Uh, the first three weeks for Corey Hadawiranaro, he had great attacking up with low base. Um, that put me off him, and then the next three weeks, he had some great phenomenal base, and that got me back on him. Uh, obviously, fell back off again, but uh, this is the sort of form we see from Corey back in his Bulldog stage, 124. Yeah, obviously he's been told to um, to pick it up. Uh, otherwise, he's losing his spot. So hopefully Ricky just keeps on his ass and um, he keeps the output going. Uh, this is a trade that I never really got behind, but a lot of teams benefited from it. Uh, bringing in Xavier Savage this late in the season seems to have paid dividends. Yeah, my cousin, bro. <laughs> no, he's, he's not my cousin, but... Um, I think playing him as a pod play and uh, looks like he's going to stay at fullback for the rest of the season. He's definitely someone to play on matchups. Very different player to the guys like Bally Simonson and, and Caleb Aiken, but I just couldn't get behind another Raiders fullback with how poorly they scored. Um, you talked about Corey Hadawiranaira having to pull his finger out or he loses his spot. Uh, he would lose his spot to Hudson Young, who also had a pretty great game with 103. A guy that was genuinely on my radar after like round three uh, with some great attacking output, then fell off a cliff. Good to see him come back. I would doubt a lot of teams have. A guy that I guess is the Raiders strike winger, and this would only be a play for head-to-heads only, I'd say, based off matchups. But I guess, are you, what are your thoughts behind head-to-head players getting around Jordan Rappiner? He's been bumping out really good scores and uh, very silently as well. I feel like I, I wouldn't have the balls to do it for myself, but if you've got trades and you're a head-to-head player, it wouldn't be that bad. I just couldn't do it myself, um, but he, yeah, he is producing. My, it's it's bothering me looking at this. The, the green highlighted name, the fact that I played him this week, Sean Johnson, 17, we can't ignore it. Yep. Do we think do we think this is the way to go for Sean Johns moving forward? The fact that he isn't goal kicking and the fact that he has signed that Warriors contract, do you think this is the end of Sean Johnson? 
I don't think it is. Uh, I think Braden Trindle is the death of Sean Johnson. I feel like they go to Braden Trindle a lot more than Sean Johnson. I, I can't, can't believe I'm saying that because Chad Townsend was always the one I thought was hindering him. But Braden Trindle just, yeah, he's not quite the same. He doesn't share the responsibility with Johnson as much. So, um, and without the goal kicking, I, I don't know. I feel like it's just a lean period for Johnson, but I don't think he is the premium half to end the season. I think Cleary, Daily Cherry Evans, and Jerome Hughes are by far the top three. Yeah, I really love Cherry Evans with the run home. Um, mate, I have a lot of uh, new players on, on my social medias that, that message me looking for advice and stuff. And when Sivitalikai came back into the fold, <laughs> myself, myself, you, every podcast out there, uh, hit the Talakai drum home and hard. Yep. And a lot of new players have messaged me like, what are you talking about? Like, wh- what is this hype surrounding him? It's just Talakai playing through the middle, not on that edge, hitting off Johnson. It's just not the same, is it? It's not. And I feel like Supercoach has evolved. The center wing second row that you, you're aiming to get in to start the season because they've got that good base just isn't good enough anymore. I feel like this center wingers and wingers are scoring way more than the second rowers at the moment. So... Um, I feel like you're left behind if you've got a second rower taking up a center wing spot. It's the other way around now, mate. Gone are the days where you used to play a back rower in your center wings. Now with guys like Tane Milne, you play your wingers in your back row just with, <laughs> with with how high their ceiling is. And and that's the thing. Like this, I think if we had to pinpoint a reason why my season has gone so poorly, it's because I've, in the preseason, I banged on about base stats, base stats, and how good they are. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, with these new rule changes, you need those high ceiling center wings. These guys that if they don't score, are going to get you 10. But when they do score, it's going to go huge. You guys like your Josh Adokar, who's averaging 65. Your Alex Johnston. Um, Ruben Garrick's a poor example because he does have an okay base, as with Brian Toto. But those high ceiling guys are the, are the way to go, aren't they? They definitely are. And I feel like if, you, if you're if happy with a 50 or a 60, you're going to fall behind because the next best player is scoring 130. Gone to the days of Britton Nakora, Kurt Capewell, and John Bateman, mate. Yep, yep. I um, it's a bit of, yeah, just, just egg on my face, considering how vocal I was about cheap set of wings at the start of the year. You need these these premium guys, I think, to, to catch up, as you said. Like AJ in the last couple of weeks has been phenomenal, even this week with the injury. When did you sort of realize that's the, the trend after the, the rule changes and the blowouts? I yeah I, I don't I don't really know I feel like the SC playbook pointed it out last week and you subconsciously think it like throughout the season we've been building building our team based on these sorts of players but then until someone actually points something like this out you don't realize that you're actually building your team a certain way and yeah um shout out to them boys for actually pointing it out because next season I, I probably would have thought of it. I thought would have thought putting a second row in center wing, but I think you got to tackle it differently. Obviously a little, little bit off topic, but do we just bid in the front row forwards next year? Do we just take a 50 point cheapie? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Although um, my front row has scored very good this week, Haas and Adam Fennell Blake. So if they can keep pumping it out, um, they might be someone to start with, but I think as we've seen, the front rowers as the year goes on are getting fitter and they're um, maybe they're not to start the year because the front rowers are obviously the bigger blokes. I mean, I think apart from Payne Haas, who was just um, – just his cardio was just through the roof. Like Payne Haas is just an absolute freak of nature. I maintain he's the best front row forward in the game and just what he can do for, for his age and, and just his motor, I think is, he could play 80 on his ear, I think. I think so too, and he's getting that um, step and attacking threat back. At the start of the season, he didn't have that at all. He was just 
running the ball and tackling. But now he's looking to score points and he's looking to make an impact. So I love that from Haas. One man that I haven't owned all year, and it's probably the the key reason as to why my rank has been so bad. I thought he had a two-week shelf life, and then Munster went down, and then Pappenhausen went down, and he's just been in sides ever since. Nico Hines, 166, probably the best player, the best player that isn't in a team's starting 17. Uh, what he does is just phenomenal. He's excellent. He looks like Heath Ledger. I love him. I saw that. I did see the uh, comparison. Shout out to you with the with the <laughs> gr- with the great call. Yeah, I honestly didn't think of it till last night. But um, yeah, he, he's a great player and he's goal kicking. He, uh, I think he keeps his spot as well. He keeps his spot. Keeps his spot at, at where though? Probably center with uh, George Jennings going down, which is huge news. Um, probably news you didn't want to hear. We see Remus shifting out and Nico at center. Yeah, I think so. I guess, I guess the positive thing is it is that weak center side. Uh, the other center, Justin Ollum, uh, what an absolute machine he is. 124 from him. A guy that just you don't want to be up against, um, even in an NRL standpoint, just an absolute nightmare to, to handle. I oh, think he sent, he sent Kurt Mann spinning. I think at least if you're the winger, you know you can come in on him because he won't pass the ball out to his winger. I mean, I mean, he's been good some weeks, but there's other weeks where he just doesn't like passing the ball, eh? But shout out to him. He's finally um, produced some good games and yeah. I think this is the first time we've seen both uh, Melbourne halves fire together from a super coach standpoint. Obviously, they're, they're, they play fantastically themselves, but Munster with a 115, Hughes with a 96. I've been a bit iffy on Munster all year, mate. I'll be honest. I, I didn't really see him as that option running home. But uh, Cam Munster, we know that the back end of the year, that's when he really finds his gear. Yeah. Munster's an interesting one. I was looking at him as well. Um, I feel like he hasn't produced to start the year. Um, there are a lot of good options in the 5-8 area, but Melbourne are always going to score points and he's going to be part of it. So um, you can't blame anyone for wanting to go Munster. I did a bit of a form review on Munster and, and we say that he didn't fire and, and it's very, very a valid point because he didn't have any huge scores. But I think he had, in the first six rounds, I think he had three scores over 70, but none above 90. So he was just floating around that average. I think we he had an average last year of 80. And I think he was maybe averaging 81, but not really going much higher or lower than that. So that's what, I guess, put people off. Yeah. Uh, Remus Smith didn't fire great for people to start the year and I doubt anyone have him, but... Uh, a great buy at the time and now finding form. Uh, sorry, was that Remus Smith? Yeah, Remus. Yeah, Remus Smith. He's been real good for Timmy. And um, uh, I don't know. I feel like if you've got him, it's time to sell. But um, with that news, George Jennings down, he is a good option for the wing spot. So if he's going to play wing, I would definitely hold if I had him. Um, big big but- body, good under the high ball. I expect a lot of kick targets to be going to, towards Remus. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mate, another Smith. What do we do when Harry Grant comes back with with the cheese? Um, I feel like you get them both. I feel like it'll be a great uh, plan to handcuff them. 
Yeah, I I agree. <laughs> I was I was I was never huge on on Brandon Smith because he just it was one of those guys that was so frustrating to own because he'd be on thirty the entire game and then just pull two attacking plays out of his ass in the last five minutes and then just bump him up to a hundred. No, that was always the frustrating thing. But you've got to put a little bit of bias aside and yeah, he just continues to to put in the work week in week out. We saw Mitch Barnett move back to thirteen, but I mean sixty one is not what we were seeing from him at the start of the year, looking like one of the genuine gun options, averaging seventy five, but. For some reason, Adam O'Brien loves Lachlan Fitzgibbon and that's left Mitch Barnett out in the cold. Well, Mitch Barnett played 80 minutes at number 13 there. I think he shifted to the edge and Fitzy played 63 minutes. So 61 in 80 minutes, it's not what you want, but we'll take it. And um, he's definitely a hole going forward. Hopefully he can build from that. Bring back goal kicking Barnett on the left edge, I say. He's the best goal kicker in the side. I don't get it. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. I mean, apart from the Knights, it was a pretty tough day out. Uh, we saw our uh, mandatory 45 from Jaden Braley, who didn't really do a whole lot. Uh, Tyson Frazzola, a guy that I'm banging his drum for the run home with a 43. But uh, what is doing with David Clemmer this year, mate? 18 and just falling off the wagon completely. I think he's a victim of the new rules and the new rules are going to phase certain players out of this game. And someone like David Clemmer, who was one dimensional as it was, um, it's not going to be enough. He's going to need to find more energy and uh, somehow develop his game next year. If the Warriors could have pulled this off, it would have been one of the greatest uh, victories in recent memory for me. They went down to the Penrith Panthers, but I think the story is just how to play the Warriors were and how good they played. They Hats off to the Warriors. I feel like they've been really good um, this season and especially last season as well. And I guess this season they're doing the same thing, but... They just keep dealing with the hand they've been given. Uh, all the injuries, RTS and Harris gone in the first 15 minutes. Hats off to them. And they've picked up a bloody great buy in Reese Walsh. Yeah. I mean, I think it was it was topped by uh, Matt Lodge, who did get some attacking stats. But Adam Fenor Blake, uh, I think he may have had a, a line break assist, which is like eight points. But apart from that, 72, pretty much all in base. Uh, he's looking like a, a ripper by considering how lowly priced he was. I think he was 480k. Mm-hmm. As you said, mate, Reese Walsh got an 81. Uh, he was robbed of a try assist. That is, has to be updated uh, eventually. He is my second fullback for the run home. Went a bit of a pod move there. And uh, he is a genuine superstar and, and won't be too far away from seeing him in that Queensland jersey. Yeah, I agree. Um, I like the Reese Walsh move for the run home. The young players like this trying to make an impact, they're always going to be part of the attack they want to show their skills. Um, so get on him now um, if you don't like any of the other options. A really good buy that I, I was really happy with the Warriors picking up is Dalman Tennis Lesniak. And a lot of people would have given him shit because he was in a Bulldog side that struggled. But I think uh, DWZ was one of their best players and he pumped out a 62 this weekend. Uh, pretty good pot option for another, another one of these head-to-head matchup players considering how good the Warriors run home is. Yeah, pretty good. Um, I feel like myself, I wouldn't jump on him. Um, I feel like I'm saying that a lot today, but um, personally, I wouldn't do it because I feel like the the Warriors don't go to their wings a lot, um, but there, there could be a week where he pumps out 100 or like two, three tries. So it, if you want the chance to jump on him with a week like that, then um, do it based on matchup, I guess. I guess for head-to-head players, that's what you're looking for, isn't it? Like those guys that could really uh, set your head-to-head matchups apart. Mate, we're looking at hookers considering how barren it is and the fact that Tohu Harris is out. Do you think this is going to benefit Josh Curran or do you think it's going to benefit Jazz Tavanga who we can slot into the hooker position? It'll have to be them both, surely. Um, Josh Curran probably still only plays 
40, 50 minutes. Um, but I think Jazz Tavanga is the real benefit of from this. Um, I, I think he averaged like 55 to 60 when Harris was out earlier this year. Um, Sorry, also the fact that Wade Egan's probably going to be out for a little bit as well. Yeah, I, I think that's what I was thinking as well. Um, so, yeah, Wade Egan. Mate, we're talking about Wade Egan replacements, and uh, if you picked up Cody Nicarima for round 17, yeah. it's it's been tough sailing, isn't it? Yeah, I actually picked him up quite early before round 13, so I've ridden the highs of him, but I've also ridden the lows with him, and um, he's not looking like he's a good buy option or even a good hold option, so... Yeah, grim for owners. In no man's land. Um, look, we touched on him at the start of the show, but we can't sort of brush past it. A six from Tohu Harris coming into the to the game with a shoulder sort of niggle, uh, but it was that knee that went for him. And I think that's devastating for the Warriors who are looking to make a serious run for the finals. And I just can't see them having that cohesion without their star man with Tohu Harris there. I mean, I see them putting up a fight. Um, I I feel like they've got good heart. Um, I think but- that's just the Warriors' culture in general. Like they're, they're always going to put up a fight. I just do you yeah. see them being that that genuine threat to maybe make a run for September? No, but I feel like they can still possibly make the eight because they've they've got Fenua Blake, they've got Lodge, they've still got a decent side. So um, Harris being out is a blow, but they've got some good youngsters, Bailey Siren and Josh Curran. Um, yeah, they've got a few others. So um, I feel like they can still compete, but uh, yeah, it definitely is a blow. We've touched on Lodge, um, but the fact that it looks like he's added another string to his bow with sort of the ball playing to that middle. I really like the, the signing. I think that Lodge is realizing that maybe the game isn't for him. He's sort of trying to evolve to fit the modern style. And you obviously got to take your hat off to him. I think um, he had some really good moments today, ball playing. Yeah, for sure. At the start of the year, I know the guru was... Um saying things about him that the game is probably evolving past these certain players, but um, he's one who's really adapted to it and has off to him. Yeah. I, I was beating his drum pretty heavily to start the, the season. Obviously went down with the hamstring injury and a lot of people laughed at it, but when he came back for the Broncos, he was great. Uh, averaging 55 in the early parts of the year in a barren position. I think he was only 315 K or something. And um, towards the back end of his Broncos career, pumping at 60 to 65. And I know that today is obviously inflated because of the minutes, but you can just see the efforts there from Lodge, the fact that he, he wants to be ball playing through the middle. He's looking for that offload. I think that's definitely going to help his standings moving forward. If you have him, do you hold? Yeah, of course. Of course. He's a gun. You play him regardless? Would you, If you don't have... If you don't have a Payne Haas, for example, do you go out of your way to trade a Lodge to, to a Haas or are you happy with Lodge's output? Um... Oh, is it worth is it worth the ten points for a trade that you may get from going to Haas? Is that sort of I guess what I'm getting at? Uh, I feel like if you haven't got Haas and you've got um, the decision between Haas or Lodge, uh, how much is the difference in price? Uh, I think Lodge is the more expensive one, so you might gain some money from selling Lodge. But I'll, I'll give you the scenario. Let's say you're a team that's coming eight hundredth, and you've got five trades left, yep. and you want and you've got Lodge. Do you go Haas? Is there any and your own Tohu as well? Like. There's two trades you're going to have to burn to get Haas in because you're going to have to trade Tohu out, maybe Lodge out, get someone else in like a Fafita. Personally, I think you just, if Lodge is going to get you 60 and Haas is going to get you 72, I just oh, probably yeah. hold, I just hold Lodge. No, you hold Lodge, 100% hold Lodge. Haas is not worth the trade because Lodge could potentially outscore him from here till the end of the season. I went early on Haas just because he was that rock bottom price and that was the week that Lodge moved, but... Yeah, I think I think if you've got Lodge, you, you happily hold because I think that Nathan Brown's going to call upon him to play big minutes. We saw it today, and I think moving forward, that'll be the case. Speaking of big men playing big minutes, uh, Viliam Kikau, uh, Timmy Timmy Moody's just nailing it week in, week out. A 90 from him, how good? 
Very good. Uh, Timmy couldn't believe it. He um, He's playing him based on matchup, and uh, this week he just kind of forced into it. So uh, he's getting really lucky. He is a bit of a flat-track bully, though, isn't he? I remember him scoring three tries against the the, Bron- the, the Bulldogs. He's a guy that doesn't have a phenomenal base, and you need these um, try-scoring weeks from him. But when when it's hot, it's hot for, for people that are running well on Supercoach, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a lucky game, and once you hit that streak um, – Ride it as long as you can because it doesn't last long. Uh, the most consistent and the best uh, center wing, in my opinion, Brian Toto does it again, week in, week out. Teams that don't have him, get him in. Teams that accidentally sold him, cough, cough, <laughs> you get him back in. <laughs> um, mate, this was Tyron May's blood, blood, probably best game I've ever seen him play. Who needs Nathan Cleary when you've got Tyron May? Uh, 87, probably only really a draft option. How good uh, is the, rugby league? How good is rugby league? How good is rugby league? <laughs> Uh, Charlie Staines, what are your what are your thoughts on him? Because I I put out uh, on Instagram that he is one of the flops of the year, but people were sort of arguing that he did his job. But I don't, I didn't really see it. I never owned Staines. Did did you jump on him preseason? I did, but I I played him every single week. He decided to not put out um <laughs> not put out how good is rugby league? Um, and then the week and then the week that you didn't play him, he scores like eighty. Yep. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty typical. 115. So uh, I kind of kept playing him and then I was over the fact of these small scores. So I was banned myself from playing him. Then he scored big and then I'll be like, okay, he's just proven me wrong. Then he'd do it again. All right. We, we called uh, we called Jai Arrow a trap. I'm going to call Matt and Burton one for next year. Agree or disagree? Yeah, agree. Yeah, hard. Yeah, kind of like the Kyle Flanagan that you thought was going to be this year. Mate, uh, he, he scored 70 round one. I was I was over the moon and then it uh, it all fizzled out, didn't it? It was looking like a masterstroke, that call. I remember you got me on after round one. We were saying, oh, how good Flano is. <laughs> Doesn't have a spot in the team anymore. Yeah. Um, but Berto, mate, like, yeah, I think he's a much better center than he is uh, half. And the fact that I think the Bulldogs, they're, they're, they're trying to progress as a club, but I think they're recruiting in all the wrong areas. And I think paying a million bucks a year for Cottridge and Addo Card. They're not the signings to make. And I think Burton may suffer. And he's probably going to come into next season being, what, 550, 570K? And I think a lot of teams may get sucked into buying him based off his performance with Penrith. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But um, I, Bulldogs should have thrown the checkbook at Adam Reynolds because I think he... Throw the checkbook at Brandon Smith as well. Yeah, exactly. I feel like them two would have absolutely changed their club for the better. Um, what they're getting in Matt Burton, they'll definitely get a solid footballer, but um, they still need a seven. And I know that he was never, ever going to sign for them and they never ever approached him. But the fact that someone like a James Fisher-Harris was off contract, um, I think the Bulldogs could have thrown big money at him just to try and bolster that pack. But obviously Fisher-Harris would never leave Penrith. But it's it's one of those signings that I think the club needs just to, to get that forward pack moving because they are, obviously we saw today they put up a good fight. Um, against the bunnies, but it just seems like when the when the going gets tough, they sort of fall a little bit. Yeah, um, that's for sure, uh, mate. The Broncos, who I pinned a lot of my multis on this week, went down to the Tigers on the eve of the debut of the of the uh, documentary. We could have written this one in hindsight, couldn't we? Yeah, definitely not. Jordan Ricky ninety eight coming off the bench. Um, obviously, the injury to TC Rabadi got Ricky on. Uh, Payne Hollis with an eighty eight as well. Thomas Flegler, a guy that. I had as my fourth reserve and swapped to Jason Saab. Never, hmm. ever, never, ever great. Uh, Tyson Gamble, 66. A lot of these guys we're brushing over probably aren't relevant. But Tessie New, uh, 61, playing fullback. This is a position that he needs to be playing, in my opinion. And uh, had him in my hypothetical origin one team, 
Mm-hmm. I remember I remember that post quite well. That um that went down well, but testing you at, at a decent price to maybe slot in as a fifth or sixth center wing option. Don't I don't hate it, don't love it, but um I, I definitely see the appeal. Um he's looking really good at fullback and the center the fullbacks playing in center wing are absolute gold this year. Uh, you say that, mate, but I remember buying Bally Simonson and one Cody Ramsey, so I might have to I might have to hard disagree there. I don't know what Tony Staggs did to his Broncos teammates this game, but he did not get past the ball once. I remember he was in open space twice, and uh, it took a fair bit to get his first try on the board. But Staggs with a forty six, the game plan needs to be simple for the Broncos. It's just give Staggs the ball. Even the try he got, that it looks like they didn't want to pass it to him when he was open then. Exactly. Uh, I think I yeah. think um I think Gamble put uh, Ricky through and Ricky just went to go himself and yeah. the one before Tessie knew was why he had Stags oh, unmarked to 20 meters out and just didn't get yeah. it. Yeah, that wasn't any good. Um Stags was actually disallowed a try assist and line break assist uh, with the obstruction call uh, from Reese Kennedy, I think it was. So that would have boosted his score up to about 70 odds. So uh, I feel like with a score of 46 with uh, updates to come is still very good signs considering he's just come back from an ACL injury. We touched on this on the on the Supercoach Experience podcast. I'm, I'm a big fan of picking him up if you're if you're in a position to throw some some shit at the wall and hope it sticks. Uh, yeah. You in the same you in the same boat? Yeah, I agree. I think um, he's a good buy and definitely. Um, I haven't seen their draw, but if it, if it's juicy, um, I definitely get my toes in that one. I think the Broncos have an okay matchup for the next three weeks or so because I have. Cleary in my draft team, I picked up uh, Gamble just as a sort of stopgap because I think the Broncos had an okay draw. So I think for Stags, people are looking at him. Uh, there's some good signs coming up. Mate, I'll let you take off uh, with the Tigers top scoring Adam Dewey. Adam Dewey, love him. Got him in this week, 144. I mean, five tries, this really helps, doesn't it? Um, needed him to go over for my multi to get up. It wasn't to be, but um, yeah, 144, I'll take that. I expect him to be in the top three traded in next week, um, but I guess we'll see. Um, but yeah, he, he's a massive buy. And have a look at his stats all year. I think they'll surprise you. Especially his stats at 5'8", not so much his stats at centre. I mean, he did have one good game in centre. Uh, he turned up as well, but 5'8 is really where he excels. And I'm not too sure what uh, Coach Michael Guy was thinking, taking him out of that spot, that he made that right edge um, so good. I think that's that's good for Nofo Limmer as well when he's playing 5'8". We saw Nofo get a 73, a guy that you and I have both been pretty keen on considering the draw they've got and the price that he is. Uh, Dane Laurie... Look, I know the Penrith Panthers aren't going to use him to his full potential. It's fantastic to see the Tigers get him, and, and what a pickup he was. Yeah, definitely. I feel like he's just, if you held him, you're probably cheering. Um, I assume most would have sold, but uh, for the Tigers, he's a great prospect for the future. Now, I can't remember who it was in the Turbo Hemi group chat, but talk about how arsey Supercoach is. I think they said Stefano was their uh, AE. It may, it may be between Stefano and Angus Crichton, and the fact that uh, Angus Crichton pumping out a, a fantastic score as your AE shows that some people do run pretty hot in this game. I think it was uh, Brew. It might have been Brew. Yeah, it, it might have been Brew, actually. The fact that he got Angus Crichton in his AE because Stefano went over 90, you just you don't ride that sort of stuff. No, definitely not. I feel like if you told me Utukamanu would have been a nice option to end the year, I wouldn't have sold him so early because I uh, know he, he could end the season with a 70 average. Yeah, it's just the the, pro- the problem is like I think Mike McGuire chopped and changed him too much. A guy that probably outside of Staines had the most hype coming in that didn't really deliver to start the season, did he? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like these young forwards, uh, forwards especially, they're going to warm into the season and this is his time to shine this part of the season. 
Uh, I think he's the Tigers' best player. Luciano Lua continues to put out some pretty good scores, a 72 from him. Not someone you're looking at buying, but a, a guy that people would have looked to pick up for the buy that maybe have held this long. Yeah, I actually had him and I sold him, uh, I think, around 15 or something. Uh, Just after he had the buy, he sort of did his job for you? Yeah, he did the job. He was constantly punching out these regular scores. He doesn't go massive, so you want that higher ceiling player that can get you above 100 we speak of high ceiling forwards, mate, Cam Murray, 81. Probably going to be one of the most trading options for Tohu Harris. I think he's he's really hit his strides. I remember during the middle portions of the year, he was only getting 30s or so in base and not a guy that was attractive one bit. But the last couple of weeks, he's really found that attacking fortitude to the middle third of the field. Yeah, that's for sure. I feel like this is his time to shine later in the season and the bunnies are going to come in hot I, I think so too. Uh, Cody Walker, 72, but I suspect a fair bit of updates are coming his way. Probably a little bit of a failure for this week considering the expectations that were put on him. I think the fact that Hines scored 166, the, the expectations were massive for Cody Walker to at least score 100 this week and um, would have put down a lot of captainers. Even though he went off midway through the game, you'll still take a 67 from Cody, from Alex Johnson, won't you? Oh, for sure. I don't have him, um, so I wish he went off with uh, six. Yeah, it's it's one of these ones that I I hated. I hated buying him because I hate buying those high center wing, those high ceiling guys that could definitely go off for a five. Yeah. Uh, I think just the the try scoring form that he was in. Uh, I think last uh, last week he scored thirteen tries in five games. That will take him to fifteen tries in six games. Simply uh, ridiculous. A genuine chance to break Ken Irvine's all time try scoring record. A couple of guys over 60, Keelan Kulmatungi, a guy that had a lot of hype that didn't really do a whole lot and then just had like a four-week period midway through the year, like around nine to around 13, I think it was, that he exploded and has really nailed down that um, the edge spot and pumped out another 60-odd. That's his spot. He's the Olakuatu 2.0. I feel like choose one of them as a pod for the run home and who knows. Uh, Dane Gagai, a guy that I had at the start of the year and I sold him the week he went off for 150 and since then he's uh, gone strength to strength. As someone that did own Gagai though, it, it's a nervous watch because he's, a, he's the bloke that does nothing and then he'll just pull attacking set out of nowhere to pump up his price. Probably not a guy I'd look to be targeting, but if you have him, you hold. Would you agree? I actually think he might be a target, especially if Braden Burns gets that left center spot and he plays left wing. Look at what AJ's been doing on that left wing. Um could be a sneaky pod. I guess it's just the eye test. I, I, I owned him, so I watched him pretty close. And a lot of those set players just cut out Gagai completely. But with Latrell back, who, who knows? I mean, I think at the moment, Gagai is benefiting from no Latrell because Cody Walker isn't sitting... Sorry, Cody Walker has to sit a little bit um, narrower and the ball to Gagai isn't going as far, if that makes sense. But with, with Latrell, it's that extra sort of passage that the ball can pass through. So yeah. I think I'd wait until Latrell comes back and seeing a game before I jump on Gagai. But... Uh, great base stats as well. Uh, for the Bulldogs, mate, there isn't too much. Despite them scoring 24 points, um, there isn't too many big names here. Jaden Ockenball in his first game back for the club got a 61. Uh, Corey Allen finally did something, got a 59. But there isn't too much considering they did score four tries. Yeah, I guess they share the stats kind of around with each other because they don't know where their attacking force is. So they kind of just, uh, it's like a lottery, whoever scores the points with them. Not a super coach thing, mate, but what was Lachlan Lewis doing? Oh, I thought it was funny. I it was funny. <laughs> what was happening? 
I don't, I, I don't know. Um, it, it wasn't a punch. It wasn't like a, a jersey grab. It was just like just a full hug, just to the ground. Dominant tackle. Um, I, I, I feel like it wasn't high, so you shouldn't have got sent off. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, kidding. I don't. I just, I don't know. I saw it because I, I, I heard the halftime whistle go, and I sort of just clocked off for a bit, and then I just heard it all kick off, and I had to rewind to see what was happening. And that was just. Strange, strange. Mate, one person I'll touch on before we wrap up today, Luke Thompson. Um, just sort of, I suspected this with Josh Jackson coming back into the side, but I didn't, I didn't expect Luke Thompson to drop off as much as he has. He's gone from 65s pushing 70s to barely scraping 50s. What do we do with Luke Thompson if he's still in our sides? Um, I, I guess if you have the trades, sell him. And uh, hopefully you got jewels that you could get maybe a back in that's gonna got a good run or something or get a house or a or a lodge as we said but um who knows he, he might be homesick sometime soon before we go one man i didn't touch on a pretty popular trade in tane milne how would you rate the game from him 56 below expectation i feel like that's what you would have expected right like what do you expect when you're chasing 127 from three tries? Someone can't score three tries every week. You've got to go off their pass. Unless, unless you're Alex Johnson. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I didn't jump on him. But um, there, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there, mate. Like, like what do you expect from a, a center wing that doesn't have a huge base playing on a non-dominant yeah. side? Exactly. Uh, I feel like that's the exact reason um, 59 is good because he's playing on – the wrong side <laughs> like Rabideau's really good on the left side so uh, yeah I don't know well, also outside Campbell Graham at full strength who they they love to use in, in attack rather than rather than hitting the wing obviously went off uh, midway through the game with HIA but I think when Campbell Graham's back it might not be the best for Tane Milne but it's a guy that you play on matchups and how well the Rabbitohs uh, are playing um, you, you've just got to stick with him. One question I have for you before we go, mate, post on Facebook. I think Melbourne Storm are head and shoulders, the best team in the comp by far, and a, a full-strength Penrith Panthers don't come close to them. Who was your tip for the comp? Manly. <laughs> Manly. Bloody bloody Turbo. Uh, to be uh, fair, if, if any player could single-handedly win a comp, it, it would be him. I think um, I'll come back to you in round 20 when uh, Manly play Melbourne. Hopefully, they're both at full strength. And, hopefully, hopefully. So, uh, so who, who are we missing? We're missing Adokar, Welch, uh, Grant Pappenhausen and Nelson Asfasolomona and the Penrith boys are missing obviously their their representative halves. The DCE, Jake and Tom and the players and, and Ben. Up. You forgot about Ben, mate. And Ben. And that's that's probably equals up to the amount getting paid that all the players on Melbourne were missing out on. So that just proves how much of the salary cap Manly are taking up with them players. As a Manly fan, I'll put this to you. Full-strength Parramatta versus full-strength Manly. Who, who do you have? Obviously, you've got to take Manly, but I think it'll be a pretty close game. I think you guys might just edge it. I think we um I think we saw that a couple of weeks ago at Bankwest when Tommy went 150-plus. Manly. Yes. Tommy, Tommy's having a season to to remember. We saw, Tur- we saw Turbo, not Turbo. We saw Teddy average, I think it was 93 last year, and we, yep. and we thought that was out of this world and – uh, Cleary and and Turbo just making fun of that score, aren't they? Uh, they really are. I uh, don't know if it's just a one-off or is if it's the new normal going forward. Are they freaks or is the new rules encouraging this type of play? I don't know. I guess if he ends the season with a hundred and twenty plus average, then oh, I wouldn't. Oh, it'll, it'll be the greatest supercoach season by a, a very long way, and Nathan Cleary will feel very very stiff. Um, lastly, I know I said lastly a couple of times. <laughs> But are we spending half our salary to get Cleary and, and Turbo in next year? 
with one oh yeah definitely 100 percent. they're the best plays in super coach um i can see myself possibly starting without turbo if they have a toughish draw and if, he, um, if he's like over 900k he oh, he sh- should be right or 800 to 900k what was cleary this year 850 or i think i think i think teddy started off 880 and then he was the, he was the highest but oh, shit. so cleary was 750 that's severe unders oh yeah definitely and, and the fact that no one else was there like no yeah. one else even came close i think cleary was i think the next best may have been dca and yeah. i think he was like 21 points clear so it just shows you the the, the dominance that cleary had but I think with how weak the halfback position is in Supercoach, not saying that the class of halfbacks we have in the comp now are weak, um, but just in terms of Supercoach scoring, Cleary plays a much different game. He loves to take the line on a little bit more than these other halves. I think he's he's a certified must-have, but you could maybe get around the idea of not getting turbo because of how stacked the fullback position is and the fact that we probably could get Teddy in at such a reduced price. Yes, but you would have to have a plan 100% to get him in. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to sort of look three or four weeks. I think next year, preseason planning will be crucial because you're going to have to look four or five weeks in advance and just say, if Turbo goes off, like, what do we, how do we, how do we pull the squad apart to get him in? Similar to what teams are doing now with Cleary. If he comes back and brains it, teams are going to have to find a million bucks out of their ass to, and, and two trades probably as well to, to get him in. Three trades, two nuffs of premium players. You've got to fork out a million dollars. Yeah, so obviously you'd probably go a Burton or an SJ. There's 500K. Um, you're going to have to burn, bid someone else as well and, and enough. You're right, mate. Yeah, it's going to be close to three trades and a, a lot of money in the bank too, which is why I'm not too sure what your stance on Cleary Wards, but I advocate if you are going to pull up in the selling, you probably don't get him back. Yep, I agree. All right, mate. Thank you very much for, for giving me your Sunday night. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm probably going to get you back on uh, to, to finish up the end of the year. We're going to have a lot of award shows coming up, and I'd love to get uh, your guys' input. But as I said, mate, thanks very much. Give yourself a plug. Cheers, mate. Super coach experience. That's it. <laughs> You'll see my beautiful face on there uh, last week, I think. Uh, went on there, did, did, the, did the game show, managed to uh, fluke a couple of correct answers, and it was uh, good fun. Four out of five. So you might be back to end the year to do the grand final game show. Fingers crossed. All right, Sav, mate, thank you very much for coming on. All right, see you later. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.